You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 11. I'm Rusty, and over there in the corner is Greg. How you doing, Greg? Yeah, good, Rusty. Excellent. Next to me is Andrew. How you going? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Sam. Fantastic. And uh, Dan, back again for second episode. Well done, mate. I am. Thank you. Two in a row. Perfect. So, guys, how has your week been? Weekend was good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Week's been normal work week, but weekend was a bit of shooting, so yeah, it's good. I think uh, we all got out for a shoot, actually, this weekend. We did. We did. Almost together. We all ended up in the same place, but I didn't actually shoot together. Greg, you uh, you had probably the most exciting time. Yeah, went down the uh, southeast and, and chased a few foxes around. So, yeah, just under spotlight and, and uh, got the 243 out. And we ended up with uh, 10 foxes for the night. So it was a good night. Yeah, not bad at all. Mm. Fantastic. It'll be interesting to see how your uh, hit ratio improves with the new rifle. Yes. The, well, de- the Defiance. No. <laughs> that one's a yeah. bit later down the track, I think. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's a bit of a way out. Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the new 6 mil. Any updates on that, Greg? Yeah, I got the uh, bottom metal in. So I got the Atlas. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. So I got the Atlas Works um, bottom metal, you know, with the flush flush ejection lever. Mag release, yeah. Yeah, yep. mag release that's flush with the trigger guard. Oh, yeah. So that's in. I've, I've got that. Now, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've just, yeah, really got to just dig the money up now <laughs> to, to get the barrel put on and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. nice. And what's, what's, what's your thoughts on it, Greg, now you got it and you've seen it? You like it? With the, you prefer it there on the trigger guard, the mag release? Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's nice. It, um, I guess I played with it a bit and the tension seems right. I guess it's going to be... You know, playing with it off the rifle, yeah. you know, it probably seems a little bit more we, yeah. difficult, I guess, but when you've got your hand around the neck, it, it would probably work quite well. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy, happy with it. So Very it's good. It's about getting it put in now. Good. So you're happy with like the sort of quality and, and general sort of fit? And yeah, look, all, all the machining looks, you know, spot on. Um, it, you know, obviously it's very light because uh, it's the aluminium version so it feels light and tinny but you can see that it's it's really well um produced mm-hmm. yep. and uh yeah the the actual feel of the the lever seems pretty consistent um and a nice strong spring in there so yeah, yeah nice. it's just a matter of getting it in i, th- I think it you know i'm happy with it yeah. making it happen yeah we actually mm. got a, a message on facebook from one of our listeners and he he sent through a photo of the atlas works um bottom metal they had that he's a he was a big fan of yeah, yep. he said he said he enjoyed it. So um, hopefully your experience will be the same. Yeah, yeah, not happy so far. Absolutely. And Dan, you did a pretty decent shot on the weekend. Yeah, we um, finally got to test out those two hundred and thirty grain burgers, the uh, OTMs. Um, amazing velocities uh, coming out of a three hundred wind mag. I just um, I didn't think we'd get anywhere near those those sort of numbers. Um, what were you getting out of it? Uh, 3,025 feet per second was the average. That's and pretty good. Very good with a 230. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was done, that was chronographed with a magneto, so I, um, I do expect that to be fairly accurate. Well, it was, uh, by throwing the data up and then shooting it, uh, 10 rounds to get an average and then we took it straight out to 800 and then we moved on to a mile. Yeah, and got a, got a hit. We did. We got a we got uh, couple. a couple of hits at uh, a mile. One in one in the six inch, 
yep. Kong. So, yeah, very good. Very happy. Be nice to uh, to shoot that in maybe some better conditions. <laughs> You're right. It was it was tough. It was the mirage almost made the target uh, invisible at, at 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 times when that uh, um, you know having the sun straight up in front of you like that uh, mm. made, it, made it very difficult. We um, mm. I don't know if you experienced when you guys were shooting, but I was uh, shooting a little bit later, and we had the mirage running. Um, in contrast to the the wind, so the wind was blowing left to right, but the mar- mirage was running right to left, which made it pretty hard to pick that. Yeah, that's right. At a, at a, at a mile. Yeah, well, that, that's all we were using as as far mm. as wind cooling was going was mirage because we didn't really have much else to go off of. No, there's not a lot out there. Yeah, and um, I remember you mentioning that you seen the wind um, coming left to right and then all of a sudden turning around and going the opposite way. Yeah. And I experienced that um, on the weekend and couldn't believe how quickly it changed. I, yeah, this is a down at Southern Shooters place and, and it's um, it can change within within 10 seconds it can turn around. Yeah, and I've seen wind change before but not that quickly. Like it was literally... Yeah, to the full 180. Yeah, it was like normally you'll see it. It's blowing left to right and then it'll it'll calm down, it'll almost calm down to nothing, and then over a space of, you know, maybe a, a couple of minutes or so, it'll swing around from another direction. Yep. This did a full 180 in a matter of a couple of seconds. Yeah. yeah. Just one oh. thing, Rusty, you, you mentioned the, the wind was going one way and the mirage was going the other. Yeah. Yep. When Were you rolling through parallax? Could you actually see that occurring with, like, where the wind was going one way? Could you see that haze going one way and then the mirage... At, at the other end going the other way by rolling through parallax? Do you know what? I don't recall um, closer in what the what it was mm. doing. Um, mm. we, were, we were purely... Like, I was spotting and yep. I was purely looking at the 1600. Yeah, okay. And um, it was... The, we helped made, made the correction for, the, uh, for what looked like the apparent windage uh, from the Mirage mm. and it was completely the wrong direction. It was almost exact exact right call yep. the wrong way. Yeah, a challenging wind. I think mm. what it was, Greg, is because it, the mirage was so thick and it was quite warm down there. It was sort of mid-30s, I guess. Yeah. It made it very difficult to actually view the mirage out further. So what you really were looking at was the closer-in mirage. Yeah, up, okay. And, yep. you know, the wind obviously was, was changed out further, but it was difficult to see through the, the thick haze in closer. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. So, yeah, it was just even try. I I was behind a spotting scope and I tried to sort of dial through that and see what it was doing it just it just it was just boiling you couldn't see yeah, okay. really what it was doing yeah um, and in absence of any other wind indicators you just really had to go off full a shot and then correct from that mm-hmm. yeah it's good fun though certainly it was a yeah, yeah it, good fun being out there makes it a bit easier to spot the trace though that was, it was booming in there oh, on the weekend yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah. Mm. yeah you see every single one yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. It's good fun. Well, it's good to get out and shoot and have a bit of a bit of fun out with the lads. Um, we didn't get to go hunting quite so much, but um, I guess Greg did that for us, which was uh, good on you, Greg. Thumbs Cheers up. for that, Mark. Yep, I no might worries. get a chance to get out next week, actually, which will be nice. Excellent. So we um, we got a question in this. Uh, oh, has anyone got anything else? Uh, anything else to bring up? Um, we actually we're gonna we're gonna miss the next podcast for our listeners. Um, sorry, we uh, are gonna head along to the Southern Shooters Catch Up in Adelaide, uh, which is on two weeks' time, so it's the twenty third of February. Um, so if anyone's around in Adelaide listening and uh, wants to get down to the Havelock, I think a few of us are gonna be there on that particular night. It's just out in the back, and uh, any time from seven o'clock. That's Tuesday the twenty third. So come and have a beer and talk guns. It's not that difficult, I guess. 
It's good comes fun. naturally. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to... Uh, it's easier than reading Mirage and Wind. <laughs> Much easier. Cool. Has anyone else got anything to... Uh, to talk about, or should we get into our listener question? Oh, I just just want to say you've done a great job with that with the Southern Shooters range. That steel range you got out there is is excellent. Like, it is good really fun, it? really good. Yeah, it's a target from two hundred meters to to a mile and everything in between. And uh, you just don't normally have that option, <laughs> yeah. like to have that many targets. You can you can you know go out go out and and just verify loads and. And you can true your data and everything. There's 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 a target out there at the at the right range for you to do all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well done, good job on it. Cheers, mate, and big thanks to uh, Sean STS who has made all those targets yep. and uh, and has put them out. Well, you know, given us good deals on them all and donated a few as well to uh, to get a few more. And we've got more coming as yeah. well, which yeah. will uh, as soon as we get a chance to actually hang them up on some frames, there'll be more out there. Excellent. Now, we got a question in from Simon uh, on Facebook, so it's, uh, you guys can see it if you jump on the Facebook. Um, someone want to read that out for us? You're closest, Dan. Far away. My back's towards it. I'll do it. <laughs> Greg, you can see it? Yep. Yeah, Great. Um, Go ahead. It's got, hey, blokes, got a question for you. I'm looking for a hunt gun for stalking deer, goats, pigs, etc., with a focus on, uh, with a focus on deer, which restricts calibers available, to me somewhat, and we'll talk about that a bit later. It needs to be, uh, needs to be as short as possible, and light, so I can carry it all day if need be. I'm also left-handed, which cuts down the options. Poor Blake. Yep, should be drowned. <laughs> I've narrowed down calibers to 270 win. 7mm 08, uh, 7mm rim mag. I'm looking at a range of 300 to 350 metres. I like the 7mm 08 at this point, but I don't know how barrel length will affect performance of any cartridge. Also, I'd like to load the best round ballistically I can kick, uh, I can for a kickoff. Any suggestions? I'm looking for the right cartridges. Cool. Anyone got any thoughts on that? We thought we might tackle this and the broader question of uh, cartridge selection, particularly with hunting in mind. Yeah. Well, I think it needs to be said straight away that uh, it really doesn't matter what he's going to use because he's left-handed. He will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right, a slight point of contention then. So you love my drown comment. <laughs> So uh, for those playing at home, uh, Dan is left-handed, and that's, right. uh, that's why we let him on the podcast. We, you know, equal opportunity place here. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, anyone got any comments on uh, on that? On yeah, perhaps a more serious I'll, note. I'll, I'll probably kick off before we get into the technical stuff. In that, right, because um, Simon's talked about deer in Australia. We have some restrictions. So for any international listeners. Um, particularly in Victoria, we have uh, restrictions on hunting deer. Yep. Now, um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I know we talked about it earlier, but it was two, four, three for fallow deer, uh, and I think hog deer, the small deer varieties. Right. And then for the larger deer, it's two seventy and above. Um, two seventy and thirty cow, in particular, is the wording. Okay. So um, to comply with that, they don't talk about energy or or Energy on target, uh, so it's particularly around those calibers, 270 and 30 cal or above. 
I think, Greg, they used to, any Victorian listeners would probably be able to clarify, but I, th- I believe they used to have a an overall length of the cartridge of, oh, of the case, sorry, of two inches, but I don't believe that's in there anymore. Okay. And yeah. that might have been, I think, something to do with the, the WSM, the Winchester Short Magnums, were slightly under that, I believe. Mm. Um, Still more than powerful enough. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that was one I was actually going to talk about shortly okay. as, as being a possible mm. option. But, mm. yeah, so... Given that there are probably many cartridges, a few which we can talk about, that would, would certainly do the job. He's got some legal issues he has to sort of be abiding by. Yeah, so, so I, I guess we're going we're gonna to make sure we cover from 270 up because he doesn't specify what deer he's going to do. Um, yeah. And he does talk, um, does, he, does he say around Australia? Because we, we happen to know he's in SA, but let's uh, assume that he's, he, he's wanting to hunt anywhere in Australia uh, for any type of deer. So with those things in mind, we're going to be talking from a 270 up, which is obviously something he's considered already, looking at the cartridges of 270, 7mm08 and 7mm rem mag. Um, and the, I guess the other quantifier there is that he's going to keep his uh, distance between, well, up to about 350 metres. Hmm. Um, there's a couple of questions in there that perhaps we uh, we we talk to, um, but perhaps also more in a uh, in a broader sense as well. Um, he's curious about barrel length and how it perform uh, how it will um, affect performance. Now we've talked about barrel length a couple of times. Does anyone want to make a, a quick comment on that? Because I think we can we can yeah, look, pass that one off pretty quickly. I'll make a general comment in that you know I, sp- I spent a fair bit of time in the snowies running around the snowies, and and although I. You know, I did chase a bit of deer around. I, I did enjoy having a scrub gun, so to speak, in terms of I used to carry a thirty thirty lever a lot, and having a short, shorter rifle mm-hmm. was an advantage because some of the country you go through, yeah. you've got to cut cut your way through it in in some areas. Sure. So, um, yeah, d- definitely short yeah. is the way to go. But just how short is is yeah. probably the discussion. And that's it's also dependent on the cartridge. I'm just looking at the three that he specifically mentioned there. I, I would think out of those three, the 270, the 708, and the 7 mil rem mag, the if you were to go with a shorter barrel, a 7 mil 08 would be the one that would be Less least effective. effective. Yeah. You're talking a smaller capacity case. You know, if you if you go with say a 20 inch barrel in a 7 mil rem mag, you're going to have a huge fireball out the end, and you're going to really have a, a big dramatic velocity loss in comparison to a 708 so it depends on there's a lot of things that you know would would depend on how short he's prepared to go um yeah with these talking 16 17 inches or or 20 21 well even even Um, yeah i mean even even a a 20 inch barrel if that was the parameters out of those cartridges i would say that the 708 sized cartridge would certainly be the uh probably the choice but He's also given a, a distance there of 350 metres, so we're, it's not like we're, we're trying to get everything out of the cartridge we possibly can. We're not trying to shoot them at that's right. 800 metres. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so if you remember, tac- Tactical Operations did a cut-down on 308 and 300 Wind Mag, and I don't rem- don't have the data in front of me on it, but um, 308 was very little affected all the way down to about yeah. 16 or 18 inches, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was about 18 inches. It was yeah. very little velocity drop. Yeah. Incrementally down, so they cut uh, the, they like an inch with off a, the barrel. Correct. Yeah. Started with a twenty-six or twenty-eight yeah, okay. inch barrel, and yeah. then lopped it and just and just you know measured all the velocities, and it, it did the same with the three hundred wind mag, and they you know the three hundred wind mag obviously benefited from the longer barrel more than the three hundred eight did. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, 
it was going, going off what what uh, they their recommendations was from memory. I think it was um, either sixteen or eighteen inch for the three hundred eight, and twenty two inch for the three hundred wind mag. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, and the, those numbers probably correlate back to a seven mil one and a seven mil rem mag in in ratio. Similar, I think the seven mil. The smaller you go in bore size, the the more critical it becomes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, yeah, very similar comparisons there. Oh, I mean, he's got uh, you know. There's more more options than he's listed there. Of course, they're just ones he's come up with off the top of his head. So. Yeah, certainly. And I think any of those, even with shorter barrels, will in the um, 300 meter mark will will perform quite well. Yeah, like in the in the scheme of things, the the parameters he's listed there for range is not certainly long range by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know, anything in well, any larger centerfire really is going to be more than capable at those kind of distances. So, hmm. Hmm. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got a I've got a, a preference towards a seven oh eight because I have one mm-hmm. um, in a Tika in a left hand. And that you perhaps want to sell to? No, nah, no, nah, it's too no, good to sell. You. The um, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, the um, no, and and it wasn't. I didn't go with that caliber because I researched it and I looked into it and I just sort of. Uh, I actually I uh, was speaking to a um, a deer hunting guide and um, he. Um, just raved about how well it it killed deer. Yep, it, it put them down. Like and um, he and and I don't think that's anything to do probably with the seven mil weight, but seven mil in general um, being a, being a good a good uh, performer uh, terminally. Mm. I think, um, but uh, he did say that you know you can generally shoot the seven mil weight at more accurately if you know you're sensitive, uh, more sensitive to recoil and stuff like that also. Yeah, well, the seven millimeter is is generally got good sectional density, which, generally speaking, corresponds to good penetration. You know, like on a big samba deer, you might have a, a raking shot when it's running away or on an angle or something like that. You 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 know that's a important consideration to have. So, I think any of the seven mils would do very well in that regard. And there's plenty of projectile choice, which is probably another factor in whether he's reloading or um, purchasing factory ammo. Yeah. There's obviously you want something that will be able to be able to purchase with that, and I guess all those cartridges listed there, as well as many others, there will be a lot of hunting sort of type projectiles that will do the job. Yeah. Those distances given. Yeah. No, the seven mil it's quite capable. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, out to three hundred fifty meters, not, not a problem. I've uh, I've I've um, used mine with a um, a Leopold with a uh, long range duplex reticle, which just has yeah. a has a couple of holdover points. Um, Lower than the crosshair, and it takes me out from my hundred meter zero out to four hundred, um, and and hold over point for two, three, and four, and okay. um, yep. I just I you can actually check those um, the 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 drop on those um, on those reticles uh, against your load data and everything like that, so you can actually choose the right one for your caliber. Sure, and that's what I did, and then I just went out and tested it by putting milk jugs out at all those ranges and 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 shooting them. So and it worked. And there's a lot of, I mean, sort of getting slightly off topic, but there are a lot of scopes that that have those type of reticles available, and mm. and probably for this kind of application of what Simon's talking about, that would probably be a good option. You know, you could zero in at a hundred, which is going to be, you know, give you a point, you know, point blank out to 
considerably more than 100 just be dead on and then uh, you know if he was to need to to shoot a 300 meter shot that's it's you know he doesn't need to adjust his scope or anything like that no it's very quick you mm. can actually make a, a a longer range shot uh very quickly with a with, with a reticle like that if you're you know it's calibrated to your load it's sure very quick and easy do we um do we lose or, or gain anything by recommending the seven mil eight over the, say two seventy or seven mil rem mag? Oh, per- personally, like, I like the seven mil eight, but probably out of those three, there like the you know, the the one you know the most capable. If he's thinking about ever, you know ever stretching it out further than what he you know three hundred fifty meters, probably the two seventy falls in falls into the uh, the the better bracket. I mean, there's I, there's also. I don't think he should be, you know, restraining himself to those three in in particular. I mean, I mm-hmm. I like the three hundred Winchester short mag personally. Yeah. Um, I know it's getting larger caliber, but uh, it's a pretty capable cartridge, and it's it's one that can benefit, or should we say, not lose as much from going with a shorter barrel. It's an it's an efficient round. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Shorter, fatter case. They tend to be you know more. They burn more efficiently. Um, and you know he's also got the the ability with with that to to go up to sort of a 240 grain Woodley or something like that and shoot buffalo if he was to need to. Um, it depends on how versatile he wants to be, I guess. I guess uh, yeah, if he's going to err on the lighter side of things or the heavier side, and, and where mm. he wants the the versatility in. Yeah, and I think the rifle the rifle is probably the type of rifle is going to remain the same. I mean, if he wants a a light hunting rifle, he can carry around. Whether he's going to shoot deer and and goats up in the hills or whether he's going to go and shoot some buff up in the territory it's the same type of rifle really you're going to be walking a lot on foot so mm. but cartridge wise it the, there are multiple other options that would certainly be available as well sure yeah i know um you know back in victoria a lot of guys used to lean towards heavies so they could basically smash it through the bush so they'd pick up a deer and they'd have to Basically penetrate the scrub. You did like, oh, like didn't a heavy all, cartridge. Yeah, heavy. Yep. That's where heavy the thirty thirty the and and the thirty oh six were pretty popular. Yep. Um, because they were, you know, you'd just get a little bit of colour through a gap and you'd smash it through the bush. Basically, you wouldn't get open open shots hmm. all that often. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's a a, a valuable mm. sort of concern to look at. Um, yeah, I think any of those those particular cartridges listed there with the right projectile choice would certainly mm. would do that and there's good projectiles available in all those you know for the for 7 mil and 270 and for the 30s of course but mm. i guess it comes down to to how big he's prepared to go really yeah because it's going to be one of the benefits of the 7 mil 08 isn't it Dan, oh, the recoil? I, I, I just like oh yeah 7 mil 08 the recalls you know it's it's you know very manageable um and I mean, it's not it's not two seventy is not that great, not not much heavier than a seven mil weight on the recall okay. wise anyway. But um, I think he's on the right track with seven mil as a caliber for killing. Sure, right. it does a really good job of killing things. So, right. Yeah. Um, well, seven mil is pretty popular in Europe, isn't it? Uh, even Very. six point even six point five is yeah. is is um, one of the popular ones over there, and, and yeah, that performs far more than most people think, doesn't? That's it, right. In terms of yeah. um, putting game down. Yeah, and if we weren't talking tonight, based on you know um, being legal in, in in places like Victoria, I would suggest going to a six point five because they mm. they um, the sectional densities and and um, the, the how those bullets. Uh, perform terminally is really good and it's surprising. Like Europeans have been using for a long, long time. Yeah. 
That's and stuff like the six five fifty five and and six yeah, five oh, two eight and yeah. Well, I mean, there's a whole range of six point five bore diameters with ranging up to really quite big cartridges that the Europeans have used mm. for years. So yeah, yeah if it if it's staying with NSA, for example, it's probably a good recommendation. I would yeah, and and I'm actually considering um, rebarreling my seven mil eight to a six five. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there was uh, you know sort of diverging a little bit. There's um, videos of the best of the West guys over in the US were shooting elk uh, I mean elk are sort of comparable size to samba deer here and, mm. and they were shooting them at sort of 900 yards and further with 6.5284s and, yeah, and they, well, were go- they were going down straight away but I mean sort of a bit of a mute point given that he's got some parameters he has to stay within um, so uh, yeah probably not a, a but, lot of use yeah certainly an option if he's not looking to use it outside of SA Right, so if we were to narrow it down, if we go around the room, who, what you're going to recommend, Dan, what are you going to say for this one? I'd, uh, out of those three calibers? Yep. Yeah, I'd say seven, 708. And and if it wasn't out of those three, if it was anything? I'd be a 6.5. Yep. Greg? What about your suggestion, I'd, I'd grab 270. Um, 270? Just a fullback in, in that... You know yeah, it works? Yeah, well... You can go down to the local store in the middle of the mountains and buy a packet of 270. It's a fair so, point. So if, if you're a hunter, um, he probably only needs to run factory for, for some of the stuff he's doing. Yep. Um, you can just go down the local, you know, town and pick up a pick up a box if you if you need to, just from a practical standpoint. And the probably um, price probably plays into that a little bit because I know the 708 is a relatively expensive. Yeah, okay. But by the same token, if he's only going to use this rifle for 20 or 30 rounds a year, mm. it's probably not a Minimal huge, expense. Yeah, not a massive expense. Yeah, but but outside of those but three... That's a fair I, point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested in the 6.5 and what that can do just from what Dan's been saying. So I, I'd sort of lean towards that as a trial-type calibre if it was legal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew? Out of those three, I'd probably go the 708 as well. Um, if those three were not the only ones available, I'd probably look at something like a 300 WSM, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, you know, it's, you can get a nice short rifle. It's, it's a shorter cartridge. I mean, he mentions Tika in his, uh, in his message there, but, you know, sort of certainly Tika are a versatile firearm, but even in other manufacturers... You know, you can get a, a 300 WSM in a, in a shorter action rifle. Hmm. And and the, for me, the extra versatility would be the, the way to go, but certainly not necessary for what he's mentioned. Sure. But, so given and the price is up there as well, if, if we're going to consider that at all. But He doesn't he mention he that. He doesn't mention it. So no. So, and, and again, even if it was, I mean, you're talking a, a hunting rifle, you're not talking about a yep. culling spotlighting gun. So, yeah, to me, that wouldn't really be a big concern. Absolutely. Very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, seven mil oh eight as well, based on his his distances. But if that was to stretch out, or if he wanted to stretch it out, I'd probably be back towards the seven mil rim mag out of his suggestions, just to be able to put some more legs on it. If he was talking eight hundred meters or or thereabouts, because of the the seven mil cartridge uh, being the best, you know, being a good option for that type of uh, shooting. Um, but what I like uh, with what Simon's done here is he has um, very well clarified his um, application for this rifle. And I think in, in the broader discussion of cartridge choice, 
um, I see too often where guys are trying to get as many purposes fulfilled with one rifle as they can, which is understandable because we've all got only a limited X, you know, X amount of dollars to be able to spend on whatever it is we're doing. But the Simon's done very well here where he's put a lot of clarity around. He wants to shoot within this distance on this game predominantly, and, and here's a few choices that he's made so far. And I think that's a really good way when you are deciding on your cartridges to be able to narrow it down. And, of course, those those cartridges don't uh, don't preclude him from shooting outside of what he's listed. I mean, he, he could take any of those things spotlighting if he wanted to, or he could shoot foxes or dogs or, or whatever it might be. But it uh, certainly, you know, he's listed basically the maximum, really, that he's intending it for. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. He's not expecting something to do, something that it wasn't really designed for. Yeah. Like, you know, people expecting to shoot buffalo with a two four three, for example. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I did a talk on a, at Shot Expo a, a couple of years ago now, and um, and we talked about how to decide on what your your cartridge selection was, and and when you were deciding on what cartridge to get your gun in, you looked at a, at a a more of a holistic level so you actually decided on a bit of a collection rather than on one individual gun and you you decided that yeah I was going to get something in this to fulfill this sort of category like a 223 as a varmint gun and then I wanted something like Simon's talking about as a dedicated hunting rifle and then you perhaps want something um uh, maybe if you're if you're getting out amongst pigs or goats where perhaps a pump action or something like that was a bit better suited have you guys got any thoughts on sort of general cartridge selection, particularly going down this hunting sort of line, but also keeping in mind the precision shooting side within that collection? Yeah, well, it came up on the weekend, um, Rusty, when um, straight after you finished with uh, one of the students, he came straight inside and he asked us what calibre he should be getting and what gun he should be getting it in and... And yep. I suppose that's the, the number one question that you'd get all the time. Mm. Um, and it was really hard to answer his question because he himself didn't really know what exactly it was going to be used for. And this is, you, know, you were talking a fairly green shooter here. And um, we sort of threw a few scenarios at him as to what you, you may be using it for. And then that sort of, you could see it was it was it was ticking over in his head and he wasn't actually sure everything it was going to be used for. So he was trying to get the one gun to cover everything. The one ring to rule them all, yeah. That's, that's it. And and it's just, I don't believe there is such a beast. So, um, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's... I mean, like you just covered before, Rusty, I think there's... depends on how many, how many dollars you've got to throw at it, really. Of course. I mean, I, I know shooters that have got, you know, 30 or 40 rifles, ranging from 17s right up to, you know, big, you know, 500 A-squares and... I don't think you need to go to that degree because a lot of those guys that have got those numbers of firearms, they're not proficient with any of them. Hmm. They've used them all a little bit, but they're not proficient. And, and some of the better shooters you'll ever see only shoot one or two different calibers. Hmm. And and there's a you know, one of the guys that was up on the weekend. He shoots a, a two four three and a three oh eight, but he shoots them all the time. So somebody like him would be a lot more proficient. So I think it just comes down to how many guns you want to have. Yeah, yeah look, and, and I guess um, um, from that collection basis, I mean, yeah, whether you have two or whether you have 40, um, depends what you're doing and why you're buying them. And mm. if you're going to get yourself a um, a 
375 H&H because you're going to go on a buffalo trip at some point. As long as you can handle the recoil, you don't necessarily need to be overly proficient with it. As long as you can point in the right direction and put it on reasonable paper, you're going to hit that buff. Um, whereas with your, you know, with a precision rifle, you are going to need to be very um, proficient with it. Um, and that's the one you've got to spend some time on, for sure. Just um, sort of just looking at some of the other points he's mentioned in, in his message to us, um, we've sort of narrowed in on the on the actual cartridge selection but the first thing he talks about is is actually the rifle and what, um, are, what options he's got to go with besides tika yeah i mean mm. being left-handed it does cut the options down a bit mm. or considerably um, in life and also in this gun well the life it went without <laughs> the, saying the, but the, i the mean man could stand up there and just poke his left hand out in the air and go bang and it would fall down dead Moving right along. What fantasy world do you live in there, Dan? <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the point being... Simon, we'll send you Dan's number. You guys can hang out because clearly uh, he needs to... Not quite in touch with reality. Getting right back to it. Um, <laughs> the reality is, you know, most of... The, a lot of major manufacturers do cater for left-handers. Unfortunately, they do make up about 10% of the population, so they have to be We've just lost for. 10% of our audience, I think, as well. Yeah, but we'll make up, make up that for that in you know, increased listeners that are right-handed. <laughs> so Good. when I first read the message um, when it came through, I thought I had was the Montana rifles. I don't mm. know whether you guys are familiar with them at all, but Very, yeah. they're a, effectively a, a pre-64 Winchester remake copy if you like mm -hmm. controlled round feed they're Done nicely well. made yeah they're very nicely made so and I know they do a left handed uh, action okay yep. so first thing when I read it was you know that's probably an option you should look at option. yeah mm. again I'm, I'm not familiar with uh, whether they offer sort of stainless synthetic and that sort of thing but he also hasn't mentioned here what his preference is no true um, mm. so maybe we could get Simon to uh Send us another message and elaborate a little more. Well, we, if he's not confused enough and, and feeling downtrodden because he's left-handed, um, he may actually communicate with us again. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. But I think um, he's got the other. He's got uh, Seiko eighty-five. Do a do a left-handed. Yeah, and a couple yep. of their variants. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's an option there. There's. Um, I'm not sure who, who else you'd know, Rusty. You yeah, Re them, um, Remington will Remington. do some yeah. uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, he does raise a point that he, he being left-handed, if he wants a left-handed rifle, it does restrict him yeah. to some degree. Um, yeah. I mean, look, he can always get a right-handed gun and shoot it left-handed, which in this scenario may may work more so than in some other scenarios. Yeah, it, he'd he'd be losing skill by doing that. He'd, uh, <laughs> switching from left to right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, uh, it might bring him uh, bring him closer on point, and uh, he might become a better shooter because of it. You never know. Um, uh, I think. I mean, getting getting to the serious side of things. I think uh, we, we were Andrew. We were very. <laughs> I was, yeah. we I was it, serious. We have to make Dan feel a little bit better about himself. Um, I think you know, say shooting a long range precision type rifle. Yep, is probably more where a left hander can shoot a right handed rifle and not be disadvantaged by it but i mean put a scenario through that stalking deer or pigs or goats or anything that you might encounter running quickly mm -hmm. you know it, the ability to to sort of do what's natural for you you know regardless of whether it's you know left-handedness or not 
you, you know, if you can cycle a gun naturally without having to shoot it with your mm. offhand or anything like that, it would be an advantage, I believe, in this situation. So, sure, yeah. I mean, look, I've I've, I've spent some time with left-handed shooters, unfortunately, and they um they actually, if they're using a lightweight gun, they actually can cycle a right-handed bolt faster, in my experience, than they can a left-handed gun because they leave their if I get this right, their left hand on the um, on the grip, which basically puts it right next to the trigger, and they actually drop their right hand back from holding the uh, from holding the front of the gun back to cycle the bolt back down, and away they go, and they actually will will outshoot in terms of speed a right-handed shooter. That's on the condition that it's a lightweight gun, because as soon as that gun mm. gets heavier yeah. from being able to hold it with your left hand on the grip upright, mm. um, it, it gets more difficult. So you're talking freehand shooting here, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. I've I noticed doing it for years before. I had my I had my first left-handed bolt. That's exactly what I used to do. And if mm. they were a lightweight supporter, you could you, you can, can do, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, you can do it comfortably. But as soon as you start putting a bit of weight in that barrel, a- absolutely yeah. agree. Mm. Yeah, and I only I only bring it up because of the conditions he's put on the mm. uh, on the discussion. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. It's an interesting point you bring up, Dan, um, a few moments ago about um, on the weekend having someone who's relatively well, very fresh with uh, long-range shooting and wanting to get into it, mm. asking about calibre choice or cartridge choice. I'm curious to see in the room what you guys would suggest in that scenario. So if it's a brand-new um, shooter who wants to get into precision rifle or long-range shooting, where would they start cartridge-wise? Okay, so the uh, question I always ask is, is are they going to be reloading or are they going to be buying factory rounds? So Good that question. makes that makes a big difference as to. Let's assume they're going to be buying factory rounds right now. There, so they're very very fresh. They've just got their license, or they're just in the process. Yeah. The gentleman in question that we're talking about was currently in the process of getting his license. Um, he will probably have enough uh, cost factors involved in getting the rifle on a good scope um, that reloading is perhaps not an option initially. Yeah, yeah. So, in in that case, if he's um, if he's if he's buying ammo, um, I'll push him. Oh, nearly always, I'd push him towards 308. Um, the price of it, um, it's a performer. It's been used for years. There's data out there everywhere for you know for, for 308. Um, a new shooter might not know how to run up a chart already, but he can, he will be able to find out some data mm. on on the internet and and it's relatively cheap ammo here in here in Australia. So that that would definitely be my choice, three hundred eight. Cool. Are we? I guess we just have to clarify, Rusty. Are we talking Australian market, or or I mean, we've got some slightly different considerations to the US. In that, uh, if I was to be say talking to somebody in the US about the same question, mm-hmm. I would probably recommend something like a six point five Creed more. Or I mean, that's a it's a lot more available ammunition wise and that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess that. that um no dramas. Recommend for anywhere in the world you like, um, but clarify why and what the difference would be okay. back to Australia because that's where we, okay. we are. Oh, well, get, I guess given the parameters, okay, we're looking at Australia. I wouldn't recommend that. Well, no, um, I don't mind if you're recommending for the US for 6.5 Creedmoor, mm. um, but, but why that there and not here? Okay. The reason I'd recommend that there and not here is ammunition availability primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, over in the, in the US, you know, I know I've got several friends there. 6.5 Creed, more ammo is available and it's cheap, relatively. Okay. Yep. 
Um, Similar to a 308, perhaps? I, I believe, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and given its popularity, it, it is available. Yep. Rel- you know, readily available. Whereas here, if I was to, to have that recommendation, I would, I would go with Dan and say 308. Yep. Because, you know, there's not a lot of 6.5 Creed more ammo available here in Australia. So, again... Like, yeah, yeah, it seems as soon as you... You know, you know, waver away from you know two two three three oh eight in in Australia, um, or you know thirty oh six or two seventy. You know, the price of ammo just skyrockets. It does. But if you're talking particularly, you know, precision ammunition like match grade factory yeah. ammunition, there's not a lot of option here, really. Well, no, there yeah. is, but it it's costly and it's rare. Mm. Yeah, no, you're True. right. Yeah. Mm. Greg, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I'm the same with three oh forty seven. No? Yeah, 6 by 47 is the only way to go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I'd go with 308 as well. Um, it, you know, as all the reasons that have been stated, Most, you know, good information out there, all that sort of stuff. But you can also get in with a with a factory rifle. Let's say you get a sure. Tigger out of the box, you're away. All right? Mm-hmm. And then as you're... You know, your education improves and, and you start to understand what you're doing and you're ready to make a change. You can rebarrel that. You've got a good basis of action. You could rebarrel and you step it up to a match barrel. Yep. And you might go six and a half or, you know, what once you educate yourself. So you, you can go through a progression and 308 is a good first step in a progression, I think. Yep. With factory. And then as you step up to reloading, you can rebarrel that and, and still produce a pretty good rifle and, you know, Mm. build on it, basically. It's something to build on a platform. Well, I mean, it's not, not necessarily even looking at it as a start point to move on from. I mean, mm. you know, 308s, you know, people think, oh, it's a little round, it's not that effective, but I mean, it's still used in, predominantly used in, in target shooting competitions like F-Class yeah. Standard. And yeah, I guess, I guess I just mean, you know, someone that's progressively reaching, reaching, reaching. That wants to go further. Yeah, that wants further, to yeah, go further, yeah. but you're absolutely right. If someone doesn't want to go over a certain point, you, there's probably no need to go beyond 308. Mm. Mm. I, I, I tend to agree um, with a 308. I, I wish I had something different to say. Oh, no, guys, you t- you're all wrong. We, we should go with this. But um, unfortunately, yeah, the 308 is, is where I, my head is at. And when, when guys do ask me what to start with, um, for all the go- the reasons you guys have listed, is that 308, will um, it's relatively cheap to run. There is factory uh, match factory uh, ammunition available. Um, you can get virtually any gun in it. And when you have shot out that barrel of decided you no longer want to do it, you can um, re-barrel into so many options. The other one that um, people often uh, assume is the best place to go is the 300 Win Mag. Um and I, I'd, I'd sort of try and t- move people away from that if possible. Some will go with it, and that's fine. But is th- that recoil on a 300 Win Mag is just a- enough to take, uh, introduce a flinch into the equation, I find. Mm. And realistically, your 300 Win Mag is going to pick up effectiveness from the 1,000 metres or 1,100, maybe 1,200 metres beyond. Um, whereas out to that range, um, your, your 308 will do everything it needs to. The only quantifier for that, for me anyway, is um, is if you are hunting and attempting to hunt at those distances. But perhaps, perhaps you need some more time on the range rather than buying your first gun mm. to go out and do so. Mm. It, again, it's one of those things depends on on what you want to do, and even if you you long range hunting. Like I, I mean, I I have a goal of hitting a rabbit at a mile, and 
you don't need a big bullet to kill a rabbit at a mile. You're right. Um, but having said that... You know, I mean, people try and kill foxes at a couple of metres with a rock. Uh, some do, As yeah. was mentioned last week. Yep, and not normally too effectively. But my point being is that, you know, uh, my rifle of choice for that scenario, not the two-metre fox, but the mile rabbit, is yep. is going to be a 300 wind mag because I've got the right type of projectile for mm-hmm. maximum efficiency as far as very high BC and I can push them quickly. And I think, you know, you could easily do it with a 6.5 of some variety. Yep. But, uh, you know, I'll sort of run the figures and I think, you know, 300 wind mag would do the job for that. Not to say that I need it. To to put the rabbit down? No. Got to hit it first, but... <laughs> Tis the, tis the challenge. Got to find somewhere with a rabbit at a mile. Well, it's it's doable. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, you got to keep us posted on that uh, that challenge, Andrew. Um, it's coming. Hopefully, we've confused plenty of people tonight. Um, might have confused ourselves a couple of times. I think we've worked out that um, that most shooters are right-handed, and that's the way to be. Um, we've established that in. <laughs> we've established that fairly firmly. Um, but that aside, um, Simon, hopefully we've answered your question. Um, if you've got any more clarification you want, um, come back to us. I think the general gist was uh, somewhere between a 708 and a 270. Um, but well done on really identifying what it is you want to achieve with your gun because a lot of people don't do that. They're a bit vague in it. Um, hopefully those listening have, uh, have found something out uh, from our information, our chats and discussions. Greg, you've, uh, you're pointing at me. What's going on? Yeah, just before you wrap up, there's probably a couple of other things I just want to throw in for Simon to think about. Is Why not? In terms of uh, the stock, I know when I was running around, mm-hmm. you often fall over. It's tough country. Um, so wood is probably not the way to go. And he, he talks about light and, and and easy to throw around, so probably a synthetic. Yep. Plus, a lot of the time it's raining. Um so he probably needs to think about possibly Cerakote. Um, I know sometimes you go out three, four days at a time yep. with a drizzling rain. Um, and the old coats used to you know, start to rust up pretty quick if you're not looking after them. So just something to consider as well. Or uh, stainless steel, preferably. Yeah, probably, probably stainless. I know when, when I was in Vic, stainless wasn't popular for the shine factor. I know it's a bit... Just from a concealment point of view, for the stalker shooters, the stalker shooters didn't really go for the the um, the stainless. They lent more towards the blued. Yeah, I mean, as you, like you mentioned, Cerakote, Greg. I think that that could be done in that case for that reason rather than its corrosion protection. Yeah, true, true. So, yeah. So, has anyone uh, got any other recommendations for Simon on guns or? Well, just just back to what Greg was saying, like stocks, uh, stock options these days. um, We keep coming back to Tika because well, he he mentions Tika in his comments. Well, well, it's it's a good value. It is a good gun. Like they shoot Mm. out of the box. They're really good value. It's it is light. It's everything that he wants. Maybe the stock could you know might be upgraded. There are a lot more stocks coming out now for that suit Tikas. So. Well, I mean, there's a lot more everything available for them, really. I mean, you can accessorise them. You see half of them, or we see them with guys doing their long-range courses. They're barely recognisable as a Tika, so sky's the limit, really, as far as what you want to do to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and Simon is familiar with Tikas. I know he has one already. Yeah, but if you have a look at... um, There's uh, there's quite a few um, 
websites in New Zealand about making a mountain rifle out of a tika and they go right through everything chopping the barrel down there's actually a really good article that we could actually uh, find yep. chopping the barrel down changing the stock they're actually putting carbon stocks on on the guns um i know that they they're running suppressors over there so they are running um over barrel suppressors mm-hmm. um they run through caliber choice everything right down to the sling on um making it's it's an article um i think it's called making a mountain rifle and um it actually goes through um an ideal weight ideal barrel length for each caliber um so that the the new zealanders have got it down pat as far as getting their mountain rifles right well i mean by the sounds of it what what they are trying to achieve is exactly what uh what simon's talking about in that you know they're they're hunting very similar species i mean they are not sure whether they've got samba there, but certainly got red deer and, and elk and, and everything in between, right down to the small, you know, sort of um, chamois and stuff like that. So they're trying to do exactly the same thing, effectively. Um, we'll try and find that article for you, Simon, and uh, put it up on the uh, the show notes with this podcast as well. Yeah, if I remember, the actual one I think I'm talking about is actually is actually from a magazine, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I do believe I've seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd have to track it down as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So has anyone got anything else to add, either for a brand-new precision rifle shooter in their cartridge choice or for Simon with his questions? Or are we, we done for the evening? I think, I think we've covered it fairly well, Sam, as, as far as uh, sort of an overview. Mm-hmm. Um, specific questions. So, again, you know, we'd certainly invite listeners to, to send through any specific questions they've got because it's a little bit hard to cover all the, the, the really fine details that of course, could yeah. be covered. So. But I think as an overview of what uh, of what Simon was asking in particular, yep. I think to cover it, basically he's on the right track as far as his cartridges go. Um, any of his cartridges would certainly do do the job for him. And uh, as far as the rifle selection goes, well, it's really going to come down to what he wants to do. But mm. I think, uh, yeah, I think we're kind of covered yeah. it fairly well easy yeah for sure fantastic guys well um so i'm getting in touch with dan to buy his um ticker off him um and we'll hopefully see some of you guys at the southern shooters catch up next uh, tuesday or the tuesday which is the 23rd of february uh for those guys who are not in adelaide uh we'll catch you somewhere or we'll be back in a few weeks so thanks very much for listening thanks guys for all coming in tonight and all we'll right. uh, we'll speak to you guys again soon all right thanks cheers cheers Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.